Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bare Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me is my co-host, Reese. And you all might be asking yourselves, where has the Bare Necessities been? And I, I get that question. Um, you know, I regret to inform you guys that Reese and I both were recently indicted on federal <laughs> charges for a RICO case. Oh, so we have been dealing with that situation. Um, you know, laundering money through this podcast is what the officials are claiming. <laughs> Um, but that's finally over. Don't worry. Uh, we're back. We beat the <laughs> <Reese>. case. <laughs> we beat the case. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, Reese, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, definitely a long time. No talk, uh, on the podcast, but definitely good to get back to it. Um, certainly itching for football. My goodness. Like I feel like this off season has just taken forever. Um, and I know, especially to, you know, like Austin and I were so tapped into college football too. That's just like, I feel like it makes it double as worse during the off season. Oh Cause you're God. like, I'm starved for my two favorite sports, <laughs> um, being college yeah. football and, and NFL. Um, so certainly ready to have, you know, the bears getting ready to go back to training camp next week. And it just makes me happy as hell. You know, we're throwing pigskins again. <laughs> you, yeah, seriously. And you know, college football this year, I mean, being tapped into recruiting, I mean, that's kind of like my all-time low I get to in the middle of the summer is getting ta really tapped into recruiting. Not for this year, but for the, the next year's class, right? Right, right. Um, <laughs> that's like the all-time low. Uh, actually, you know, there is one more even lower portion of that, which is watching Canadian <laughs> football, which I've done in the past as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the low you get to. I also watched the NHL draft this year. Um, well, I kind of had to, reasons. you yeah, know, yeah. you know, probably will never do that again. But, you know, seeing Bernard go to the, the Blackhawks and then all the trades that were happening, that's pretty good. Even though I'm not, to be honest, I haven't been that dialed into the Blackhawks the next, the past couple of years with the Blackhawks and the Bulls. You know, even with the Cubs and the Sox, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I go in and out. I'm not like, a, it's not like I'm going to sit through. I already have to sit through one horrible team. Right. I'm not going to sit through, you know, four of them. You got to um, pick one, yeah. you know, Chicago team to endure. You know, there's only so much <laughs> pain and disappointment you can take in in your life. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and like the saddest part about this is the Bears got the. Uh, the first overall pick this past year. And I have to say, it's probably the second most exciting bear season I've ever watched <laughs> <laughs> last season, uh, 2018 being every the, game the mattered, one. you know, down to the stretch. Yeah. There was never a moment where you had to look away because you're always rooting yeah. for that, that glorious L, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> we always found a way. We always found a way. Um, that being said, man, um, it yeah, I'm getting you know the itch. It's it's funny because the NFL does such a great job, really filling the entire calendar year with football in one way or another, um, and like the media coverage is just top notch, you know, because of us, of course, uh, on the Bears at least, or insiders, um, and then you know, yeah. yeah, insiders, you know, we don't, we're not, we're not uh, a, a corporate, a corporate. Uh, slave right yeah. like these guys at espn or you know whatever like they're, they're getting laid off left and right we're still here yeah. hammering away uh on the podcast and youtube right there's never a doubt um, you know it's like people that are persistently in in sports you know media and entertainment Stephen a smith you know unfortunately colin yeah. cowherd 
uh, Skip Bayless, <laughs> and you know, and Austin and Reese at Bare Necessities. It's just yeah. they, no one, yeah. everyone knew that we were going to stick around. <laughs> we're like, you know, there's like the uh, the A list, like Pat McAfee. We're like that B list, right? <laughs> we're like right below them, um, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, good for Pat taking that you know Fanduel deal, and then with ESPN, he took the deals we turned down. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, if it makes you happy, uh, again, joining the corporations, we're we're a podcast for the people. Right, so. we didn't sell out. Um, you know, we're not no, sellouts. No. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We make no money because you know we're all we're for the people. Um, but actually, speaking of Colin Coward, did you hear what he said today? On his show, five One, and twenty. He, man. he's crazy. Like he's just crazy because he, he says like the he contradicts himself. Well, every other month, routinely. Yes, I mean, I can't take much of what he said. I take, or I guess I should say, I should. I take everything that he says with a grain of salt because it really means nothing. And his opinion changes and shifts so much, you know. But he's really on this whole, he's like, YouTube quarterback thing now. And I'm like, he yeah. thinks he's such a genius for that. He's like, I, I, he's like, I got something that even these young kids are going to relate to. YouTube, you know? <laughs> it's terrible. And I get what he means with it. You know, like, there's some plays that look pretty, but it's like, man, it's such a bad generalization. And... I hate using the win-loss. Like, it gets weird because, like, Super Bowls won, right? Like, those are legendary moments that make you, like, a legendary quarterback. Of course, you can perform just, like, crazy good statistically like a Dan Marino, and you're still a legend. Um, But, like, Super Bowls matter and all that. But, like, win-loss is terrible just because, like, it's definitely not fair. You don't even have to go to a different team. Like, you can be with the Chicago Bears and be, like, were Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields in two totally different situations? And the answer is, is yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, for a yeah. period of time, Mitch Trubisky had, you know, a top three defense. And then, you know, for the majority of his career, still had a top half defense with Khalil Mack on the other yeah. side of the football. Justin Fields has not really gotten to experience that benefit, especially not last year where he went three and 14, but the defense was, well, no, it's not news to anyone was terrible so yeah and like i'm not even gonna just completely discredit this and like you know at the end of the day there's this weird thing that happens in football it's really weird it happens every single year where as like you get further away from the end of the season people start to rely a lot more heavily on statistical measurements right. and like it's like it's like just yesterday that it was during the season and you know big media figures were routinely calling Justin Fields a star and now we're getting to the point where it's like they're like oh there's no more excuses Colin Coward calls him a bust today I'm like <laughs> you're the this is the same people that were tell, saying the year prior that Justin Fields is not in a position to succeed at all. And like, that's, that's the reality of the situation. And the one person that I'll give a lot of credit to someone that we even gave a lot of flack on the podcast, uh, going into last season, who could Dan Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky, you know, he was, you know, Oh, come on. Pretty hard. Orlovsky has some terrible takes still to this day. But, but uh, what I can say with Dan Orlovsky is that he had a, a, some some takes last year where he was saying that Justin Fields is going to be like horrible. He's not in a position to succeed, and this year he's completely changed his tune. And like I get it. There's this 
weird aspect of sports media where like there's an over-reliance on numbers and not really taking in the full picture, right? And with Justin Fields, do the numbers need to improve? Yes, absolutely. Like just from a pure statistical measure. But if you went and watched through every single game last year and came out, I there's very few games that you can come out of that being like, Justin Fields was an issue. More than likely, the people that were watching the games were saying, Justin Fields is a star. Let's hope Chicago doesn't fuck this up, right? Yeah. Which that's really, that's really my question still is like, will we mess this up in one way or another? Um, and you know, that's, that's to be determined. I think this year, you know, we're going to get into it. Maybe I should say this, this podcast is all going to be about training camp. Take a look at the offensive roster, but, uh, th- this year will tell us, you know, I, I just hate the narrative that there's no more excuses for Justin Fields. Cause it's like, has he not proven enough? already to validate him being the starting quarterback for his rookie contract i think he has well i mean for the rookie contract sure um i think we do need to see more consistency in the passing game um but really it's just like it's the simplest thing that he's got to learn to do which i think makes it like equal parts frustrating it's like we just got to hit checkdowns more consistently you know and like things like that the short passing game and it's just really interesting because we said the same exact things when he was coming out of Ohio State, you know. We're oh, we're yeah. like, yeah, his worst throw is like a 10-yard out, you know, or like a 5-yard yep. out. And that's still kind of a little bit the case. He just – he's better airing it out. Um, but I think that the way that this team is built this year is going to aid him a lot. Um, and I think he's definitely still going to be used as a running weapon. But now you kind of got that ammunition um, – and I guess this kind of really just spills into what we're going to be talking about the whole podcast as far as positionally breaking it down. Um, but, like, even you look at Patrick Mahomes, right, and fantastic quarterback. I mean, no one's really going to debate right now that he's the top court active playing quarterback in the league right now. Um, I guess some people might chirp and say Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, at this point, it's definitely Mahomes. And I think – you look at that, but so much like you can even look at the statistics to see it. But also, if you watch the games, so much of his throws are like about a yard after the catch. You know, it's about having oh, yeah. athletes these days on the football field, you know, getting athletes into space and letting them make plays. And it's just last year there wasn't enough of that from the Bears. Um, and so much of it was just like air yards, you know, even think about the big lofty plays down the field. How many times did it end up with receivers mm-hmm. down on the ground afterwards? You know, the big Enkeel Harry throw, the big Darnell Mooney throw down the sideline. You know, the list goes on. It just we need to get more situations where players have the ball and their feet are still on the ground, you know? Yeah. And and like that's the thing that people like to hide from. The number one quarterback by far last year in throws under pressure was Justin Fields, by far. There's this also this other weird narrative where people are Colin Coward relies on this a lot. Like, and this is like the PFF system or whatever. It's like, uh, the bears were a middle of the line offensive line. That is just not, that is just factually incorrect. And whenever someone says they're middle of the line, quote unquote, I just, you just have to know that they don't know what they're talking about. If you look at the discrepancy. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the discrepancy, all of the beneficial plays from the bears offensive line were, um, Run plays yeah. in motion, you know, schemed up. Like that's the benefit of, you know, outside zone typically is that if you don't need to have the best quote unquote players, you need the best scheme fits. And we we found some good, relatively good scheme fits for that last year. 
Uh, they even ran a good amount of inside zone too, which was uh, kind of contradictory to a Shanahan system, but whatever. Um, the other other side of it is the passing game blocking was horrible, specifically out of the center position, which is the most difficult center and guard positions, which, you know, and we'll get to in a minute. I'm not 100% convinced this offensive line will be all that this year. I think that there is still a lot of proving that needs to be done there. Um, they're going to be better, yes, but like it was horrendous. And especially when it came to injuries, like, Tev, you know, like the two bright spots all year last year were just Tevin Jenkins and Braxton Jones. And even Braxton Jones went through a lot of rookie struggles. Like, yeah. a, like it was hot and cold. It was either really good or really, you know, not great for him. Um, I, I just hate when people are like, oh, they're a middle of the pack offensive line. Open your damn eyes. Right, because I think people then think like, like, oh, they put even more resources into it. They should be like a top ten offensive line in the league. It's like, no, no. like hopefully, if this, we're middle of the pack, I'll right, be happy. exactly. <laughs> hopefully, this year we're actually truly middle of the pack, and and hopefully, I guess I should emphasize even more in pass blocking as well, because like you said, I mean, even scheme wise, like give credit where it's due. Run blocking, yes, they were good last year, um, but it was just night and day between what you saw you know, pass blocking wise. And it wasn't always consistent. Like there were some games where they did do all right in pass block. Like there were like, especially like the new England game was just one that was a total, like out of the ordinary game. Like everything kind of lined up that day, you know, fields had more time to throw, obviously still made plays with his legs, but um, you know, majority of the time, the narrative was that pass block the effort wasn't good enough. And yeah, I think that hopefully if they can get to that average league average kind of level this year, they'll do them, you know, so many favors. And, and hopefully because of oh, what yeah. Fields has been through, hopefully he's able to kind of reset his mental clock. Although it's he kind of holds on to the ball anyway, so it's not like getting rid of the ball too early has ever been an issue for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think a lot of this too is just like. You what you typically see from quarterbacks in teams that have less talent is that they hold the ball longer. That's typical, right? Because wide receivers are not getting open yeah. as quickly. Let's hope that that gets fixed a little bit here, especially with that. You know, coming from <laughs> Ohio State, which when he was there, arguably had one of the best wide receiver rooms of all time Still in college do. football. To to now, you know, to last year, I mean. You could make a good argument that Fields' wide receiver room in college, like even if you took those players at those points in their career, would beat out almost all of the Bears' wide receivers last year. Um, so it's it's just a huge discrepancy, not even accounting for the differences in talent. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's just one of the things with having a, a quarterback that's, you know, as athletically gifted as Fields, you're going to deal with a good amount of criticism. I saw you know, not to call any podcasts out, but locked on podcasts. I do, I do enjoy it. Um, but they, they brought on, you know, uh, whoever the host of the lockdown bears is, he brought on uh, Peter Bukowski of lockdown Packers and mm, he that. comped Justin Fields to, uh, a faster Ryan Fitzpatrick or not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Tennessee's QB Ryan Tannehill, Ryan yeah. Tannehill. Yeah. Just got himself Ryan a Tannehill. new star out there, man. And <laughs> just a quick, a quick, a quick pay of respects to DeAndre Hopkins in his career because I don't know if I've ever seen a man kind of play more peace. meaningless football than be an elite player. Like I know he made the yeah. playoffs a couple of times, but man, Texans, Cardinals, and then Titans. Like 
Woo wee. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, and I, I saw this on Twitter. Arguably the worst uniform career <laughs> in history of football. Um, just because they're all so ugly uh, uniforms. But thanks for explaining. You know, it. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just to be <laughs> clear. Um, <laughs> but it like that has to be one of the laziest comparisons. I mean, you just can't like Fields is way more talented of a passer than Ryan Tannehill ever was. I think the. The the thing with Tannehill is he he can make all the easy passes, but can't necessarily make any of the difficult passes. And I would say it's the opposite with Justin Fields. And I do wish that uh, the 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 Lockdown Bears host, uh, you know, had a little bit more of a spine in these situations uh, and stood up for Justin a little bit more. But you know, maybe we'll have Peter on this podcast. You know, yeah. we've reached out. No res- no response. Unbelievable. <laughs> as as the big news stations like to say, no no comment from Peter's camp. <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. But, uh, <laughs> we spoke to his agent. We just haven't been able to figure it out financially quite he, yet. He said uh he said I can't handle the heat. Yeah. Uh no comment. No comment. Uh, besides that. All right, let's let's move on to training camp. So training camp is coming up over the past, uh, in the next, what is it, seven days? Seven days so. it starts? I believe some teams already even had rookies report. So. Wow. Yeah. I think it starts in like the, it yeah, might have been, it's like the 24th for the Bears yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be a lot of storylines here. This is the first time the public's going to get, you know, a little bit more insight into some of these Bears practices. Um, you know, there's there's a lot on the line this season. I think that this is going to be critical for Justin Fields' development, uh, as we say we said yet yeah, last year as well, uh, as it is with pretty much all rookie contract quarterbacks besides Patrick Mahomes. Each year is really crucial in seeing you know if they make the next step. If not, and this is really crucial because uh, the Bears will be have an opportunity to extend Justin Fields after the season potentially. Um, if he has a great season. So uh, with that being said, Reese, what are kind of some of the storylines that you're, you're looking for out of camp? What are you paying extra attention to? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely want to see if there's any kind of different line combinations that do end up happening throughout training camp. Cause I think that'd be interesting if they do a little bit of shuffling, try to, um, you know, start people in different places uh, or, you know, we see, you know, I'm sure there'll be a day or two. Maybe we see Borum <laughs> on that first rotation or something like that. But you know what I mean? Like moves like that, um, as well as just kind of how everything falls into place positionally, because I think we have our assumed right and left side. Um, but things are still subjective. You know, they could change. Um, so that's one of the things I think the fit of all the wide receivers now that everyone seems to be back and healthy as well, because we didn't really get to see. Um, not that we get to see much of mini camp anyway, but we didn't get to see Mooney out on the field yet. Um, and we haven't seen Claypool cause they've both been kind of banged up, uh, nursing some injuries and recovering, uh, from things that happened last year. Uh, so I'm interested to see kind of how everything falls into place with them as a trio. And then I feel like, you know, I'm excited to see them, of course, especially as a new, you know, rookie. I know a lot of bears fans just because, you know, it's training camp, so you hone in on some of the smaller players. I know a lot of them are going to want to see what Tyler Scott can do on the field. I know there's mm-hmm. definitely some hype that's building up for him. Um, and, of course, you know, how can you not pay attention to Roshan Johnson as well? I think yep. the running back room and how that shakes out on a traditional depth chart is going to be interesting to see. 
Um, so I'm definitely excited to see how things in those position groupings look. Um, of course, you know, some other additions like Tunyon uh, in the tight end room, you know, will be cool to see a couple things. But, you know, we know who Robert Tunyon is, so I'm not going to, um, you know, get too excited about him. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of new things to see um, at the skill positions and also at the offensive line. And, uh, yeah, I think that's mainly what I'm looking into. Yeah, my number one is those running backs. I'm interested to see, you know, I'm sure Herbert will. Actually, it's it's even hard to say with Herbert because we there's so much talent there at that running back position. Like, does Dante Foreman, you know, maybe, or Roshan, maybe pressure Herbert for that number one role? I think Herbert's going to run away with it, to be completely honest. No pun intended. Uh, and I think Roshan will... You know, I you know I like I like Dante Foreman, but again, like, is he as good as David Montgomery? Arguably more productive. Yeah, I I, I would say so. But at the end of the day, like, he still, in my opinion, has a more limited skill set, and there's going to be a lot more benefit from having Herbert as that running back one. Um, which I mean, I think I sent you something on Twitter earlier this week of uh, yards over expected, right. and Khalil Herbert was like number one in the NFL by far. And I think that's something we've been preaching since he's been drafted is that this dude has serious talent. And I hate, I hate to say, cause I was also a huge Montgomery supporter and I wanted the bears to draft David Montgomery in 2019 to kind of follow up that 2018 run and like fix that Jordan Howard issue, which, you know, I know is controversial that the bears, there's still some bears fans that should swear <laughs> that we should still have Jordan Howard on this roster, but believe it or not, it was a good move uh, to get rid of him. But with, with uh, Montgomery, you just, I just always felt like there was something missing. And I always felt like the bears were arguably a better rushing team when David Montgomery was injured or on the bench, to be completely honest. I think Herbert, even though he's a smaller dude, he he's really good um, at breaking, you know, ankle tackles and he's, he's quick. Um, and, and, you know, now having this, this running back room, in my opinion, is actually like a major upgrade over last year. I think it, we have some serious talent here and especially now, like through OTAs, you don't really get to where like, there's very few, if any, I don't even know if there's any padded practices. So like you can't, if you're a running back, you pretty much can do nothing. So I'm interested to see as pads get on during training camp, how that progresses. The other, the other storyline I'm looking out on is uh, that three technique position, uh, Justin Jones or Zach Pickens. Uh, I want to know if Zach Pickens can kind of threaten Justin Jones on that starting that starting uh, three tech position. I know Javon Dexter got some praise during OTAs, but that's what I'm really interested in. And on the other hand, I'm also, I, and I don't mean to be negative about this, but also interested to see who the hell is going to be our starting edge rushers. <laughs> yeah. Right, and to see if uh, if there's anyone kind of brought in at the eleventh hour, like there was uh, last season, you know, just like some late, yeah, you know, right day of training camp type additions, um, which it seems like Poles might have another one or two up his sleeve uh, coming into yeah. this one. Yeah, and I I really hope that we do, and like the more I think about it. I, I really do believe that adding a player this year would make sense from a salary cap perspective. And you can you normally get these guys around training camp at better deals, especially if you can get like Ngakwe, which I think is 
I think he's an okay fit. You know, I don't think he fits perfectly in this defense, to be completely honest, because he's never been a good run defender. Um, which, by the way, re- where did he go to college? Oof, I can't fully remember, honestly. He was a second-round pick by the Jaguars, but did he play at Florida State? Do you mind looking that yeah, up? Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah. I'll be like Joe Rogan. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> Florida State, I want to say. Florida, maybe? <laughs> nah, you're way off, bro. Maryland. Really? Really? I, man, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking Florida. Oh, I'm thinking of Dante Fowler. Or, uh, Dante Fowler. Yeah. I, did he played at like Florida State, right? Or Florida? Let's see. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> Just go into being a college co- podcast. That's all we can. Yeah. yeah he, Fowler went to Florida. Yep. Okay. All right. At least I'm not that crazy. Um. Yeah, but I think I think you know Ningakwe. Some people are like, oh, it has the Ibraflus connection. Not at the Colts. He doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, he he did not play for Eberflus with the Colts. The only connection you could say is like the Ron Marinelli connection with the Raiders, which you know he did play pretty good with. But um, you know, especially Chase Young, that's a name. Um, Montez Sweat, another name that that you might be able to bring up. But those are going to cost draft picks, and I just so far I don't see that being the mo of this Ryan Poles team. Um, so nope. Yeah. No. I, I I would I would say a signing is a lot more likely than a trade. Yeah, I definitely would think so. I'd be a little bit shocked with the trade. Um, just because, too, I guess we don't firmly know what it would cost to get Chase Young. You know, it's never – the market's heated up. It's never hurt, like heated up to the point where he started hearing about any kind of compensation or anything. So it's tough to judge if it'd even be worth it as well. I mean, of course, it seems like it'd be worth it because just absolute top-end talent um, – for when he is on the field, but obviously the health concern is, is pretty large with him. You know, he's, I can't remember the last time that he actually played, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It's, it's been a while or at least been productively playing. It's been a while. And I think he, I, I fail to believe he will be traded because the fact that the Redskins or the commanders, excuse me, uh, that was actually two team names got, ago, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they actually got rid of uh, his fifth-year option. You would have thought that he would have probably been traded to a team and before that decision would have taken place um, and let that other team decide if they want to pick up the fifth-year option. I just don't see that happening. Um, it is true, though, that Montez Sweat or Chase Young, one of them will likely be available next offseason, which is somewhat intriguing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's the main things I'm looking at at training camp. I don't know if you have anything else or do you want to start reviewing the offensive roster? Yeah, we can get into the offense. I guess I was still thinking offensively. I said, I really mentioned anything defensively. Um, you know, that leftover linebacker position between Sanborn or, um, Sewell. Sewell. So, Man, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I know everyone in Chicago is, you know, a big fan of the thumb, you know, <laughs> doesn't have a neck. <laughs> but they're they're big fans of uh, Jack Sanborn. I understand he played well, uh, especially down the stretch. And, you know, 
unfortunately got bothered by a little bit of an injury at one point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that still could be up for grabs. I don't think that's something that's fully secured. Fun fact about Jack Sanborn, he actually played one of the villains in the Spy Kids movies, one of the <laughs> thumb people. <laughs> yep, he was a child uh, Just kidding. Um, all right, let's go ahead. Let's start off with quarterback. And, like, I just want to, first off, get a grade for the position grouping and oh. then explain a little bit what you're confident in, what you're not confident in. Um, so let's start off at quarterback. So Justin Fields, P.J. Walker, Nathan Peterman, and then the one and only Tyson Badgett, oh. who I don't know if you know this, but his father is apparently a, a, a arm wrestling World Series champion. And at the Senior Bowl, he was apparently arm wrestling other coaches. So that's all you need to know about Tyson Badgen. Nice. Yeah, I'd go with the quarterback room. I'm going to give it a a B, flat B. Um, and I would give Justin Fields, you know, like a B plus, you know, with him, I think can play at an A level this year. Um, I do like that they got PJ Walker in the sense that the, the quarterback style, it's not like he's exactly yeah. like Justin Fields, but I do like, you know, he's like a, you know, Tyrod Taylor type quarterback, you know, makes a lot can more a, sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can do a little bit of what Fields does. So, you know, in general, if, you know, as the next person you'd pass the torch or pass the rock to, um, if Fields were to go down, you can kind of run the offense a little more similarly, like a Huntley and, you know, Lamar Jackson situation, you know, it just, it's very yeah. smooth. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, I like that. Peterman is like pro bowler, Tyler Huntley. That is exactly. Yeah. You, not a lie was said there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And Peterman. I don't really have much of a comment for him. Um, he's kind of just, he seems like the next journey man. And I can't really tell you why, because never has he really ever looked that great on a football field in the NFL. No, no, he's a student of the game, Reese. That's true. <laughs> he's a student of the game. That's true. <laughs> um, I, what I find so interesting here is I honestly think that getting rid of Simeon was another form, and this is going to sound like a weird comment of like doubling down that Justin Fields is this team's quarterback for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Because typically what you see with young quarterbacks is that the teams will bring in like a journeyman that has like knowledge of the scheme and like is going to be like a, a, a you know, coach on the field is like what they t- try to say. You know, that's that was the case with uh, Chase Daniel. Uh, oh, yeah. Trevor Simeon, um, you know, even you can even say Mike Lennon or with the like even Andy Dalton and even like Andy Dalton and with the Panthers now. They try to bring in these guys so they (laughs) they can I know. They they try to bring in these guys, all all redheads by by uh an interesting stretch. Uh (laughs) but but PJ Walker is not that guy. He is someone that is not necessarily familiar with the system. This will be a new system to PJ Walker and more of a, in my opinion, an acknowledgement that this scheme is going to be revolve around having the quarterback, having some sort of running ability. And that's why bringing in PJ Walker makes a lot of sense. Plus PJ Walker wasn't that bad for the Panthers last year. And he has familiarity with DJ Moore and Dante Foreman. So, you know, 
good on the Bears. Yeah, in my opinion, I I like that pickup. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that. Oh, did you give a grade for the QBs? I I haven't yet. Oh. So I'll I'll say. For for the Bears, I'll say a plus. For the NFL as a whole, I'll say uh, I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, I think B B plus is good. I you know I think PJ Walker he steps in. I think you you feel like he can win a couple games for you. Yeah, like maybe out of, I, out of you'd fi- like there to be five, like more of a developmental five, you might young get guy two, there, right? Two three for lucky, right? Yeah. I think that's and that's all you can ask exactly. for. Exactly. You know, he's not a premier backup by any means, but he's a good scheme fit. Um Nathan Peterman, I you know, I know there's that new rule in the NFL where like you can have a quarterback like as like an emergency quarterback. Um I'm interested to see if Bajant can beat out Peterman. I don't know what this infatuation with Nathan Peterman is. It's it's very interesting. You know, he's <laughs> In the Vikings, he actually was balling out a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other than that, he he was pretty bad throughout his entire career. Um, you ready to move on? Let's do it. Yep. All right, looking at the running backs now. All right, starting off, Khalil Herbert as as the, you know, presu- presumed starter. Donta Foreman. You know, big year with Carolina last year in six games. Had like 900 yards. Roshan Johnson and Travis Homer. Yeah. Some people are big Homer fans too, you know. I think there's some people that are really thinking that, you know, he'll probably make the roster as a special teamer, you know. It's so funny because when he was at Miami, everyone was like applauding him too. Yeah. I don't a lot of Travis Homer fans out there, and you know, I guess maybe in the preseason, a lot of Homer Homers. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in the preseason, I'll, I'll get get to understand the wave a little bit more. Um, I really like this grouping. You know, I think off the rip, I'd say they're a B plus because none of the guys have really, you know, down to Foreman. What he almost got to a thousand yards, or was that like just at a thousand last year? Um, yeah, like nine hundred in like six games or something. Got like, it. Maybe not six games, but like since the trade deadline, so like seven games, I'd say. So like, we, which is crazy. Yeah, and like we have some people that have definitely had good production, but none of them are like you know a top five back in the league, which is totally fine. Um, you know, we've seen that that definitely works as far as being competitive in the NFL. I think that they have three guys with pretty different skill sets. They're not like three completely different guys. Um, speaking of Foreman, Herbert, and Johnson, not really talking about Homer right now. Um, and I, I like the way that balances out. I feel like Foreman is kind of going to work in as the guy that kind of gets like a drive. You know, I don't see him being like a third down back or situational. I feel like it's kind of going to be when, you know, Khalil Herbert and Johnson aren't touching as much. But I think certainly if he gets hot, then they'll, they'll let him tote the rock more. Um but yeah, I like the way it's shaping up. I think B plus is fair um, for them, and I expect them to be a productive group and you know aid and assist in Justin Field and some of the read option type plays, and also you know just overall, hopefully in pass blocking too. Khalil Herbert can improve a little bit. Roshan Johnson certainly is a very solid pass blocker. I don't know much about Foreman as a pass blocker, but you know I guess I'll assume average then. <laughs> I know that Roshan is like considered like the best one in the draft last year as far as pa- pure pass blocking goes, which is going to get him on the field quite a bit. 
Um, and Roshan also forced missed tackles, tied. Uh, I forget. I he tied. Um, I want to say Bijan actually in forced missed tackles last year, which is kind of impressive. And then right below him was Jamir Gibbs too. Um, so like really, really big for Roshan Johnson. Um, I I would say realistically, this team is very depthy. You're really looking for one guy to just stand out completely. I think Herbert or Roshan will be that guy. Dante Foreman, to me at least, I just kind of view him as like the steady, the steady hand, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I view David Montgomery, to be completely honest. Like, you're not expecting him to be a star. And I, I truly think that like the the difference between Dante Foreman and David Montgomery, I, I think is truly going to be around negligible. All of these players are going to be huge beneficiaries of Justin Fields' running ability because that mesh point, which Justin Fields is also, by the way, one of the best quarterbacks at, at, at the mesh point as far as his play action fakes and things like that. Um, and then also just given his running ability, like all these quarterback or sorry, uh, running backs are going to benefit from the quarterback position. Um, so, and you know, I think also having a good running scheme players that are known to be good run blockers. Um, you know, I, I, I truly think that you could slot a lot of different guys in here and they'd be successful. Yeah. So I, I think that this, as far as a player's perspective, sure. B plus lots of depth, maybe not that star, bell cow running back that's kind of going away in the nfl to begin with um but uh as far as production goes i i think that we're gonna get probably 1500 yards maybe even out of this position group it's not gonna be your fantasy uh running back room because it's gonna be definitely running back by committee um so it's gonna be tough to kind of uh, seek out a certain player, but yeah, I do think you're right. I mean, it's obviously been one guy that gets the majority of the touches. Um, but I do think that all three of them should see some, some definite involvement in the offense, which is what we're seeing around the league more. And I feel like the bears have a, a good room for that now. Um, and especially paired up with, I don't even know if you're going to hit this position, but you know, Kari Blazing game, the fullback, Pretty steady fullback, you know. If you're a fullback and you get brought back, um, I think he's a good fit for them. He's actually one of the faster fullbacks out there as well, which I think does pair well with this offense. You know, I think that you can get him involved, um, you know, running, having Justin Fields, of course, also having a running back there. Not talking about eye formation here, but maybe just mixing it up in the shotgun or, you know, with some motion as well and have some designed run plays where you get Kyrie Blas game out in front and he can kind of keep up with the pace of those players. So I think all in all, you know, things are definitely looking up for the running game. Yeah, Kyrie Blasen game. I actually was not going to mention that position group, so I'm happy you did. Um, that he, I mean, he was awesome last year. I mean, let's not, let's not underplay it. Like I know fullback is a dying position and a lot of teams are, you know, opting for their backup tight ends to be their fullbacks. I think that that's kind of a mistake by a lot of the NFL, considering that the Shanahan scheme, which has really, you know, started to take over the NFL is pretty reliant on having a good fullback. Um, you know, I think, uh, Jersey still the highest paid fullback, right? Um, I would so. assume, right? Definitely the most notable um, at the moment, at least. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, he's crucial, obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah, this, this running game, I think again, 
just by the help of the offensive line, gonna I feel like it's gonna be pretty good. Um, all right, wide receiver. Actually, you know what? Let, let's let's throw in some offensive line, and then we can talk about wide receiver at the end. So that you know, I I don't want our our casuals that don't care about the offensive line well, to get we're upset forcing them to, to listen, huh? <laughs> to, to skip off. Yeah, so you're gonna have to wait and listen. Um, let's talk about tackles. Braxton Jones at left tackle. Darnell Wright at right tackle. The backups, Kellen Dyche right now. Oh, yeah. Showing as the the left tackle backup per ESPN. Larry Borum at right tackle. Um, you know, I guess Alex Leatherwood's in that conversation too. We also have Bobby Haskins from USC, undrafted free agent, um, which I think could actually be a player here for position. How are you feeling about these tackles? Yeah, um, I feel I feel all right. Darnell Wright, certainly excited to come out, watch him play, um, you know, prove that he should have been, well, what? They picked at 10 or 11? I can't fully remember where it was when they did the trade. 10. 10. Top 10 pick, you know, proving that he's a top 10 pick. And, you know, Braxton Jones, hopefully more of the steady improvement that we saw. And, you know, honestly, if he just kind of keeps improving through this year, I mean, he's going to be someone that – is just going to be a huge success story. Um, but I do think, you know, there's a chance maybe he regresses a little bit. You got to keep that in mind. It certainly is a possibility. Um, but I, I think that for the most part, we should only assume that he's going to slowly get better um, and, and learn that left tackle role, which we know is is crucial. Um, and I think that, you know, having a dominant right tackle like Darnell Wright should definitely be, you know, you feel like you got a couple bookends there, hopefully. Um, as far as the depth, um, you know, Borum, I think I was even hoping that he could be more of a swing tackle than I think really he might even be, actually. So I think just at least the way that he's fit in with this new um, scheme with Gutsy, it just doesn't seem to be the perfect relationship um, as far as his skill set to this offense. Um, but, you know, he's still there as someone that has experience in game, which is valuable. Um, he has played a lot of time, a lot of different snaps. Uh, as far as Bobby Haskins from USC, you know, shout out to them. Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't, th- I think he has a chance to make the roster. Um, I, I do think that there's, you know, as far as him and you threw in the name of Dyche, like I think that, you know, as far as some of the leftover depth spots at that position, I think there actually is going to be some competition there because I, I can't even remember too. I know that we had, which was it the Illini player that they had drafted last year that was out for like all year? Um, Kramer. Yeah. At he was a center though. Right. Which I was saying, I knew that they had some other players along the line too. That kind of just a lot of the depth along this offensive line. Surprisingly, we still have question marks about. And like Alex Leatherwood. Totally. Leatherwood had like that stretch at tackle, like that game or ten snaps, you know. Um, or he had like the ten snaps that were really good, and then he had the game yes. that was terrible. So it's yeah. like with the rest of the depth, you know, it's still a little bit of a crapshoot. I feel like. Yeah, I like to call that Leatherwood game the shortest victory lap ever conducted by Bears fans because he had those ten snaps in that one game and looked great, and then the game we looked. Absolutely. People are like, hold the phones. Um, we got something here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a, a week long victory lap. Exactly. <laughs> Bears fans. Um, That's how long our yeah, victory no, laps usually last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this this position group, I truly feel is like a B 
Um, I, I like Braxton Jones, like pretty much he's great at everything besides handling the bull rush, which, you know, is mostly a footwork thing. Um, and then Darnell Wright, I think instantly is going to be a top 10 right tackle in the league, to be completely honest. Uh, again, though, he's at right tackle, which is a lot less impactful than left tackle. So if Braxton Jones isn't that guy, then I think we might have a little bit of an issue there. Luckily, you know, the Bears have two first round picks next year and there are two unbelievable tackle left tackle prospects in Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu um, coming out in, you know, just unbelievable. Some of the best, like both of those guys are going to be stars in this league. Um, so there is that backup plan there. Best case scenario, though, is that Braxton Jones is good. And I think he has the opportunity to be. What I liked about Braxton Jones is that even though he did have his uh, a few issues, by the way, he led rookie tackles in sacks allowed. So like lowest amount of sacks allowed. And then also he was like one of the leaders in pressure rate. So that's a lot, two really good signs. And it's typical for these rookie tackles to give up some sacks or pressures. Um, so I think Braxton Jones, if he fixes some of his footwork, can be able to handle some of these bull rushes. And then I think this uh, these tackle positions are going to be good. The depth is concerning to me. Um, Larry Borum, I think, is just waiting to get his job lost. Alex Leatherwood, to be honest, I know ESPN has him listed as a tackle. I truly feel like he should transition to an inside position. I just do not feel like he is going to be good at a tackle position at any point in his career. It would not surprise me if coming out of training camp, the two backups are Kellen Dyche at left tackle and Bobby Haskins at right tackle. Both these guys were pretty highly considered in the draft um, and then went undrafted. Kellen Dyche specifically, he was projected to be like between a third and a fourth round pick in uh, the 2020, what was it? 2022 draft. Yeah. And I think I'm a little more, what would it be? I'm a little more bearish on, um, I'll give him a B minus personally. Um, but I really do think that I could be proven wrong and hoping to be proven wrong. Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to see how it all fits all together too. But I do think that at the tackles, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty confident, you know, I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm pretty confident. And I do think that like you were mentioning with some of the depth pieces, I do think that, you know, as far as I'm not really including um, Borum in there, but as far as some of those other pieces, I do think that there is opportunity that, you know, some of them are good fits. Um, so I am trying to stay op- optimistic about that as well. Um, and then, you know, I don't feel like extremely, like my opinion is not really extremely different of the, the interior offensive lineman either. You know, I'm still like a little bit yeah. like, you know, meh, pretty good on it. Obviously, I guess I'm going to force this transition in right now. Um, Tevin Jenkins, like, <laughs> obviously seems like the, you know, the high achiever of the guards and wasn't originally drafted. Of the line in general. Yeah, in general. It's just like that back issue has always kind of creeped in and, like, has always kind of tainted my view of him a little bit. You know, I'm always just like it, – it just kind of seems to always just be there um, and has knocked him out a couple of times. So I'm just like – yeah, you know, somewhat concerned about that, like just in the back of my mind. Um, but I think certainly as just like 
proven on the field of play. He has played great. Um, so to have him as kind of like a, a piece and to keep him at guard, I really just hope at this point they find a position and stick him, you know, keep him there. Um, and then, you know, obviously brought in Nate Davis um, as far as I think the assumptions that he's going to be left guard, Tevin's going to be right. And reverse, 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 Tevin's really. left. I guess that could still work too. Is that what was more? I can't. I can't remember <laughs> for Nate Davis. Is that what's more natural for him? Is the right guard? Yeah. So he played mostly right guard at Tennessee, but I think it's more of an athletic profile situation. Like Tevin did so good at right guard that they want him protecting the blind side. Oh. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I I think that at face level, I do like it. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the depth pieces. I know you got it in front of you. But I- yeah, yeah. So I'll, let me read it out really quick. So left guard, we have Tevin Jenkins, and then ESPN has Jatiri Carter, okay, yeah. uh, who who was a draft pick last year, seventh round pick, and then right guard Nate Davis, and they have Dieter Eilison, mm-hmm. who Eisellen, I don't know, I don't know how to say. It. I know that a lot of people in Chicago call him Eilison, but I don't know if that's actually how it's called. Um, but I know that he was a really high profile UDFA like two years ago. And then Jatiri Carter, uh, he's a seventh round pick, but all reports from OTAs when he was filling in for Nate Davis, when he wasn't there, uh, was that he was playing really well. So I, I think that's positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think like, once again, it's just kind of weird. Cause we didn't really see much of like Jatiri Carter. Like we saw a little bit of him. Um, throughout the season, but it's just like with these depth pieces too, it's kind of like we've had like kind of like two classes of depth pieces now. Um, so it's, I mean, and some of these guys, unfortunately are not going to be able to keep all their, all their spots, but I think it is promising. Obviously like, you know, we already talked about the tackles. So you have the, the rookie that's very much expected to start and Darnell, right. Um, but you know, luckily the rest of the line too, definitely still has some youth. I mean, we're talking about, you know, most of these guys along the line are within two to three years of, of experience in the NFL. And it seems like their potential is still even just going up. And, I, and hopefully, you know, if everyone can stay healthy, I think that the chemistry that can build up on the line, then, you know, we'll hit the centers in a second. You know, we got the, I think the biggest weakness of the offensive line addressed as far as Sam Mustafer or he who shall not be named. Um, otherwise we'll get attacked on Twitter by, I think it was his mom, right? Like or, his mom, Olin Krutz. Yeah, I mean, there's course. just a battle. Get thrown in the locker with Olin Krutz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, I think that you know, guards, I think I'm at like a solid B because I think Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, it's fairly good. I think some people, I I expect Nate Davis to play well. I feel like for some reason, some people really think that Nate Davis is like a top guard in the league, which isn't really quite the no. case. Like he's no. a starter, but he's not like a, a top guard. I think kind of somewhere in the offseason mumble because it was a great signing, but I think some people kind of got the impression that we were getting something maybe a little bit better than it already was. Or maybe this is just a reaction from like Madden rankings since that just came out and people are all like, why are these players rated so low? And it's like, eh. <laughs> which yeah, Matt, you should not go by Madden rankings anyway. But Nate, Nate Davis is like a middle of the line with upside. Yeah. Guard. Like he, 
like that's what that's what he is and he's a good scheme fit for us so that's why it's going to be positive at the end of the day i think this guard combo is really good i would even say it's probably slightly better than our tackle combo to be completely honest because i just have a lot of faith that tevin jenkins is going to be able to kind of be that i i truly feel like if anyone like i i truly feel like out of these tackles and guards one of these guys at least one of these guys can make the pro bowl next year um and i think yeah. the most likely guys probably tevin jenkins or darnell right i'd say uh, yeah um it's fair but and, and then I'll I'll loop center into here too. So we have Cody Whitehair at center, Lucas Patrick as the backup listed currently, and then Doug Kramer as the third string. Um, a C plus. You know I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cody last time Cody was at center, it was like one year he did great, and then the next year he did horrible. Yeah. Um, I I just I struggle to like really gauge where he's gonna be i think this is the best position though at this point in his career to be completely honest um but it it would kind of surprise me a little bit if he's still our center next year to be completely honest like i feel like this could be kind of that transitionary period for us away from cody Whitehair, which it's funny because it feels like we just drafted him not too long ago right yeah but he's the longest (laughs) tenured bear i think right yeah. yeah. Yep. He's and he's in his thirties now. I mean, you have to think it doesn't seem that long. I think he was in the same draft as was he with, in the same draft as Kevin White or was he in the same draft as Leonard Floyd? I think Floyd. I Floyd. Think, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because I think it was Grassu that was in the oh. <laughs> same draft as. No, that's White. a throwback. Hornets Grassu, man. Yeah. Now we're about to start yeah, talking about was. Bobby Massey, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Charles Leno, which those seem like old names, oh, yeah. but those players just left somewhere recently too. So, yep is Leno is Leno still on the the uh, the Commanders? I don't know because I know Commanders fans had kind of a similar opinion about him as Bears fans had with him. Like he's he's good enough to get a contract, but he's not good enough to be like that great. Yeah, no, he is still on the Commanders. Yes. Okay. All right. Good for Charles Leno. I I always liked him. I mean, he's a huge success story. So I don't know if uh, what was uh Daniel Guard. What was his first name again? James Daniel. He's on the Steelers. Is he still on? I think so. He signed a big contract last year. Yeah, because he was a top guard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and he yeah he's he's half decent too. Um, but at, overall, the center position, I think the center is probably going to end up being the weakness of the line again. I still think it's going to be better. I mean, it's going to be hard for it to be worse. Like Cody Whitehair would have to be freaking awful. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give this like a C plus here. And like, here's my thing with this offensive line in a perfect world. If everyone stays healthy, I think it could be pretty good. Maybe top 12, top 15, but if something goes wrong, man, there's not, there's no depth here, to be honest. There's no, like, I mean, all these guys are like barely draft picks. If they're a draft pick at all, you're not feeling confident in Kramer. No, (laughs) he's too, like, I know centers, you can be shorter, but like, he just is too much of a, he is too much of a bowling ball build for me to believe he's going to be a good center. I hear you. Yeah. It's fair enough. Bowling ball build. <laughs> yeah, he he's like a 
Yeah. No, yeah. enough said. I think that's enough enough of a description, you know. <laughs> uh that that being said, I would love it if he beat out uh Cody Whitehair. So um my my biggest faith in this backup would be like Jatiri Carter after hearing what we heard from OTAs, but yeah, you know, we'll see what it is. Yeah. All right, tight end, tight end. Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan, Jake Tunges, and Chase Allen. Yeah, I think this group is like a B. I'm like with Komet. I'm I've I never had my expectations through the roof. I feel like he's very good. I feel like also well not okay. Whoa. I feel like he's very good <laughs> at being like pretty consistent, stable um in the offense. He had sometimes has a problem with drops, but I feel like at times his impact maybe seemed a little inflated last year because of kind of how much talent was lacking at the wide receiver position. Like, I feel like now, since the Bears have some real weapons at wide receiver, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of a drop-off statistically, which I know that, like, some people are definitely expecting the opposite. And I could be wrong. Like, they definitely seem to have a good connection at times during last season. But I do think that, you know, Cole Komet, we kind of know what we have with him at this point, I think. I think we know who he is. I'm not expecting any kind of glow up to be a top eight tight end or really like a solid top 10 tight end. I think that he's always going to kind of be in that above average range. Um, but I don't think he's spectacular. Tunyon, um, man, what was it? Two seasons ago had like a amazing year. Um, I think he's consistent when called upon. Um, and I think he's a fairly good compliment to, uh, to commit. I think he also has a decent, round of skill sets it's important in this offense that you can run block and he certainly has the ability to do so so i I think that you know you kind of have two consistent pieces at tight end so i feel i feel pretty confident in the position grouping um as far as the depth pieces i don't know i don't know quite where i'm at with them yet but I, i think that this position grouping is certainly better than than what it was last year you know yeah I'm going to say B plus, to be honest. I like Komet. Like, if he can play the way he played down the stretch last year, I mean, I I do think that's, you know, top 10, top 12 tight end play. I think he's in, like, to me, he's, like, 12, top 12. I can stand for that. Top 10, I feel like I don't have him at the top of my head, but I feel like I could list guys. So his his versatility is what makes him such an asset. Like he's like a master of all or he's like, a, what do they say? Uh, master of all trades uh, like Jack of or Jack of all trades. Master of Jack. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I say commit because he's really good at blocking. Pretty damn good receiving. I think he'll have his best year this year. Um, now, I think that he will be like an. I think that like. He reminds me a lot of like Zach Miller, to be completely honest. Like that's a good comp. I'd, yeah, and like Zach Miller was a quality player. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's someone I, I truly think will get extended and should get extended because like to be honest, having that versatile tight end in especially in a Shanahan scheme, especially young, like Cole Komet, and like you don't need to draft another one because it takes three to four years to de- develop a fucking tight end. Um like I think that's good to get an extension. I think Cole Komet, I'm on the side. Cole Komet should get extended um, rather than like drafting a guy or signing a guy. Um, but like, I think he's in the same range as like a Dalton Schultz type of guy. Um, yeah, that's you know, fair. Like, 
Dawson like, I Knox. Think he, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I. That's exactly actually where I. I feel like so. Maybe he proves us wrong, but I think that this is kind of the exact player you and I thought we'd be getting at when we drafted him out of Notre Dame, where he's just gonna be good. You know, Kevin. Uh, even Ken, Kevin Rudolph was a big comp of his. I again, I think that's kind of the area he's in. If he could be as uh, much Robert of a, if he could be as much and like he's starting to pile on the TDs like the touchdowns a little bit like Rudolph did as well. Which honestly yeah. like just be a, a huge red zone target, you know? Yeah. Yep. And he needs that's something that I actually was impressed with a little bit last year. He grew a little bit. He could take his game to the next level if he can be more physical in the red zone. Yeah. Like he he with his size, he needs to be way more physical than he is in the red Box zone. Out a bit and more. like, exactly that could, in my opinion, truly take him to the next level. I don't see him ever really being that guy. Um, but yeah, that that would take his game to the next level. So if he can start doing that, uh, that would be game changing for his game. He doesn't have uh, that Robert bit of Tanya, Gronk in him. You know, he needs to be a little bit more yeah. like Gronk. <laughs> exactly, like baby exactly. Gronk. Ro- he rizzed up Livy. Robert Tanya. <laughs> he rizzed up Livy, dude. <laughs> All the stories about his dad being a freaking creep is the funniest yeah. storyline. But um, Robert Tanya, I'll say, good tight end. Had, I think, a thousand yard season two years ago or a year ago or something like that. Um, yeah, it wasn't last year because I had him rostered on fantasy, so he wasn't doing anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay, it was two. It was two years ago then, for sure. Um, he's just kind of more of a pure receiving tight end, and so that's why he didn't get a big contract. He's not going to be a blocker. He's going to be a receiver, um, but someone that can go up and get the ball uh, in the red zone. He's got that connection with like. Getzy too, you know. Yeah, Getzy, and had his best year under Getzy. So um, that's. I think that's a big reason why he came here. Um, and you, I have to be honest, like with how good Equinemius St. Brown played at certain parts of the year last year, if gets, keeps getting more out of these Packers guys and the Packers did, there's going to be a little bit of a revolt in green Bay. I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, we should have picked up a Mario Rogers, right? That's who I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got a funny story to tell you about him off the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, um, and then, uh, yeah, so Jake Tonjes, Chase Allen, you know, two UDFA guys last year. Tonjes played, you know, I think he was like our backup fullback at points last year, so that's good for him too. Can we bring Horstead um, in for camp? Or is he rostered by yeah, someone else? Oh, my God. Uh, bring back Ryan Nall. Yeah, the Wrecking Nall. <laughs> bring him back. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's what this backfield You'll see uh, from Sports Mockery, like, Ryan Poles calls an old friend <laughs> like, <laughs> or something like something misty, mischievous like that. Uh, but yeah, King tight end room B plus. And one thing I'll, I'll say about the offensive line too, I forgot to mention. And, and like on an offense as a whole, sometimes specifically for the offensive line, like you just need five good guys. You don't need great guys. You just need like five average to good guys and you can have a pretty damn good offensive line. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's more so about kind of keeping them healthy and the consistency of it, you know, constantly being able yeah. to put them out there week in, week out. Um, and, and, you know, the more games that they can start in a row with the same combination, not mixing it up, definitely makes a difference. Yep. Yep. All right. 
what you all have been waiting for, wide receiver. All right, we got wide receiver one, DJ Moore. Wide receiver two, other outside wide receiver. I'm saying it's probably, I, I, I think there is some debate here whether it's going to be Mooney or Claypool on the outside. I'm going to say Claypool on the outside. I think the skill set makes more sense and Mooney in the slot. And then as far as backups go, Valus Jones Jr., oh, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis. We got the those burners are, are the out here, man. The burners. Which honestly, oh, like, yeah. kind of, I mean, in all serious though, all guys that have deep threat potential. Well, I mean, let's be honest. And like Dante Pettis, for he is Dante Pettis still. You know, I'm not trying. Uh, I'm not waving the flag for him. You know, if he ends up being a roster cut, which I don't think so, but if he ends up being a roster cut, then I, I'm not going to cry about it. But there were a couple of games where Dante Pettis was the best receiver for the Bears last year. He came on late last year. In the beginning, he was dropping balls left and right. But he started playing like at that Washington game. He picked his game up, man. Yeah. And I feel like, too, like it's like uh, with Valus Jones, it's like seeing that one reverse play, you know, where he he, where he breaks oh, yeah. it off. It reminds me of that, that Shannon Sharp. You know, he takes the the sip of the Mountain Dew. He's like, ooh, you know, it's like you're like you see a little bit of what you can get. So it's like Valus Jones is someone that has to have kind of a good camp, honestly. Um, you know, someone here's here. Yeah. This is what I'll say about Valus Jones, though, man. Like he played the the last couple games of the year, man. That's what I'm he saying. Played great. He started to get he a little excited. Great in the Vikings it. game. That Vikings game when everyone kind of stopped and he like tiptoed the sideline for That's a touchdown. Yeah. I mean that, and also like him fixing his ability. Like Valus Jones to me right now, and I know this is going to be a little bit controversial. I think he's a lock, probably he's a lock because. Yeah, but I, here's why. He's our returner. Who else is going to return the fucking ball? Pettis. I mean, I guess Dante Pettis is a returner <laughs> too. But I mean, Valus Jones, man, he he picked it up, man. He he screwed us over a little bit in the beginning of the year, but he picked it up. I hear you. I mean, like, I'm not cheering for it. I I I kind of hope he has the explosive ability that I really hope he can just like hook it up, you know, because he is someone that. You know, can change. I'm not saying that he's going to be someone that routinely throughout the season makes a game changing play, but at least on a couple games here and there, he's going to make a play that makes a, a big difference. Like he's just that explosive. Um, yep. And you need to have guys like that on your team. I feel like this position grouping, man, I'm going to give him A minus. I'm going to give him A minus just because there's some real elite receiving cores out there. But man, this one this one's pretty good. <laughs> As a Bears fan, yeah. you know, maybe it's just because I'm a Bears fan, but I'm like, ah, you know, look at this receiving core. I'm like, even if Claypool's not even that great, like I know Mooney's gonna give it. Like I know he's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Um DJ Moore, I think he just can provide like you know how like Allen Robinson was consistent? Now imagine like a good yep. receiver. <laughs> <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> imagine- he's the best Bears receiver. Maybe of our lifetime, but when it's all said and done, you can make an argument for Brandon Marshall. You know, I'll, I'll listen to that. He, one. That's who he's against, man. And, I'll, I'll and to be to honest, one. with with the Bears, Brandon Marshall, you know, he was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was like good than bad. <laughs> you know, towards yeah. the end. You know, the, the whole Elshon and him thing kind of faded away. But um, yeah, dude, I this position grouping is good. I feel like they got dynamic players now. Um, 
you know, Darnell Mooney's looking like he's ready to go this year. He's he's yoked up. They're calling him, you know, baby DK Metcalf now. Um, <laughs> but I feel like ultimately, too, I think kind of what is good about this receiving room, too, is kind of a different set of skill sets, you know? I think that there's, oh, yeah. you know, enough variety in the type of receiver, too. And then you kind of throw in Tyler Scott, who I feel like is a little bit kind of you know, I think the expectations for his rookie year are better than that of Valus Jones, but kind of to me reminds me of the same kind of impact, a little bit of the wild card type player. You know, he's someone that can be a definite matchup, um, especially when you're talking about receiver one, two, and three being Mooney, Claypool, and then DJ Moore. And then you have a fourth wide receiver like Tyler Scott that can be explosive or if ends up being Valus Jones, you have dynamic players at depth at that receiving room. So, I, I like where they're standing, honestly. I mean, it's uh, you're ending it on the right note as far as this offensive preview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I I'm gonna give it a straight up A, man. Like DJ straight Moore up. again, Mister Consistent, gonna be great. Darnell Mooney, um, you know, I think we know exactly who he is, and who he is is a you know pretty damn good receiver, especially when he's not the main target on the team. Um, Chase Claypool, just a very unique skill set and, you know, big body player, um, someone that can use his body to his advantage, um, at, at certain times, <laughs> at least like sometimes it's kind of up or down there. Sometimes he looks like, uh, DK Metcalf. Sometimes he looks like he can't catch the damn ball. Um, I just, I think this top three is really good. And I think the depth is good too, man. Especially like having a guy like Tyler Scott, you know, if, if Ryan Pace was running this team, man, Tyler Scott would be a starter day one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 that's, that's the way Ryan Pace drafted, man. Yeah. He drafted and he's like, he signed like Taylor Gabriel. And he's like, man, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this guy our offense. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think this is, yeah, really the strength of the offense. Uh, I'm interested to hear from you as we kind of end this out. If you had to, I'm assuming that the Bears will extend either Mooney or Claypool and let the other one walk or get traded midseason. If you if you are Ryan, let let's say they they finish you know roughly similar as far as yards wise this year. Um, who you who are you extending? I don't, I'll probably extend Mooney, unless I see really? something that that changes my mind. I just feel like he's a little bit better at creating separation honestly, from mm. what I've seen yeah. um, and a little bit twitchier. So I think he's a little bit better out in space um, at the same yeah. time, though, Chase Claypool. I don't know. I think he could prove me wrong. I think that maybe Chase Claypool has a little bit higher of an, if I'm talking about absolute ceiling, you know, perfect situation, maybe Claypool's, mm-hmm. you know, ceiling is a little bit higher than Mooney, but I think I have more confidence in Mooney hitting that ceiling. You know, I think that's how I feel about it. Totally get that. And I think a lot of it's going to be end up being like, where's our draft pick? Because like, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. might might be in the mix if depending on where the Panthers land. Um, And like, okay, so if you have Harrison in your you know pocket, right, getting rid of maybe both even is probably an op is an option or replacing Claypool is a lot easier. But to me. Well, as I much as I love saying. Mooney, Claypool, I feel like is so much harder to replace. Like that skill set. Like Tyler Scott to me, like if you sub him in for Mooney, you might be able to get 
similar production potentially. Well, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Let's say, you know, one of the first round draft picks is maybe more of a mid round, you know, first, a little bit later in the first. If we're talking about replacing Mooney with Johnny Wilson. No, I was gonna say we're talking about, you know, replacing Mooney with Xavier Worthy. Ooh. Then. <laughs> this wide receiver class has me pumped up, man. I'm pumped up about it, absolutely. You know. This wide receiver next wide receiver class is gonna be really good. Um, next running back class like, would be really oh good. Oh my too. god. Braylon Allen, dude. I'm oh, s- like get, get off of a Braylon who, Allen. Who train. are you? What are you gonna say? Well, I'm not gonna say Blake Corum Benson? because I don't think but Donovan Edwards, bro, can be an absolute dude, he that running back, he is built for the NFL. Donovan Edwards is okay. built for the NFL. He can I, run I agree. And Donovan Edwards can almost be as damn good of a receiver as a running back. You think Edwards is better than Allen? Braylon Allen? Uh, I think Braylon Allen, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think he's definitely good. He suffered last year in Wisconsin just because, like, that offense was definitely subpar. But it was yeah. just weird to kind of see him. It looked like a regression. I think Braylon Allen is is good. Penn State's got a couple of running backs, too. Dude, they're, the running backs this year are un. Believable. And who's and like who's, that's why you have guys like Eckler. Who's that old miss? Oh my god, dude. I don't know if he's coming Ole miss. out. Is it Judkins? I can't remember, man. I cannot remember. Ole Miss has a really I know who you're talking back. about. Oh Ole Miss is Michael Trigg that's probably gonna be coming out who used to play at USC and he's gonna be a freaking pretty damn as soon he, if he gets in an offense that treats him well, like Tennessee, in my opinion, like he's gonna be a pretty damn good tight end. Um, but like as far as running backs go, man, yeah, you got Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, um, uh, Trey Benson, right from Florida State, who's freaking good. Is Travion Henderson, the, Ohio State, is he gonna? Uh, be? Yeah, Travion Henderson. Um, what's the other Ohio State running back that's uh, good too? Mayan Mike, Williams. Yeah, Mayan Williams. Then you have Braylon Allen. You have the dude from Arkansas. Um, yes, can't re- remember his name either. Dude, this running, this running. Oh, you and Will Shipley, like yeah, Will Shipley. You have, Clemson, right? Will Shipley is Clemson. Yeah. yeah, and dude, like I'm gonna be honest, like I think Will Shipley will get a lot of comps to. Uh, um, why can't I think of his name? Stanford running back that plays for the 49ers currently. Christian McCaffrey. That you, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. He's going to get a lot of comps to him because he can do everything, dude. He's like a do-all running back. All right. Let's put an end to this before we talk about college prospects. Holy crap. I didn't even realize it's an hour 15. All You're right. good. But uh, All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do – I'll cut it off here. Um, you know, thank you all for listening. Our next episode, we're going to go over the defensive side of the ball, so a little bit of a flip of this one, which I think is going to be even more – entertaining to talk about because i think i have more mm-hmm. questions on that side of the ball kind of totally kind yeah yeah i do uh, mostly about the defensive line but um yeah we'll be back at that with the next episode we're gonna be trying to get more consistent for y'all we got some plans for the season we're excited we're fired up for bears football so as always bear down and the case is dropped <laughs> <Bear> down. <laughs> by the way we're kidding <laughs> bear down